Maelstrom Radio. With your host, Flatus and Shinder. to Maelstrom Radio. My name is Flatus. With me, as always, this host, uh, rumor has it this host tastes like maple syrup. It's Shin. Sweet. Yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, I don't know. Cats? Ooh, cats and maple syrup, probably not a good mix. <laughs> this so. Uh, somebody tweet at me, cats covered in maple syrup. I'm pretty sure there's a, uh, hilarious cat. I'll summon Feeny. Yeah. Uh, when you look into this host's eyes, your soul melts. It's Emmy. The, Hello. The, the superpower. Yep, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me on this episode. Yeah. This host loves chicken and loves liver. Meow boys, meow boys, please deliver. It's Remix Sakura. <laughs> <laughs> That was better than your last Catboy joke. Thank you. I like that, that Much one. better. Listen, it's Experimental Comedy Fridays. They're not going to all be winners. All right. That so was you... a winner. I thought that was a winner. Yeah, you're improving. You're improving. Yeah. So you know, I, have, than any other episode. I have my own uh, introduction here. Oh. Uh, yeah, That's something new. like uh, this host's favorite song much reflects her life. It's Songs of Salt and Suffering. <laughs> Please welcome Emmy. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say me. <laughs> well, no, I could. You could put probably any of us in here, and it might it might sum us up pretty well. I'm just drinking from the bottle like a classy bitch tonight. So. <laughs> Am I the only non-salty one right now? I'm surprised you're you not. Did... You're not salty. Not yet. I'm surprised you didn't get a drink tonight. <laughs> I have my water with me. You see, the keyword is yet. Yeah, You're well, not salty yet. Because last yes, episode, I, I made that keyword. Last episode, you were bummed out. You're like, I didn't have a beer or alcohol. And then this episode, you're just like, I got water. No, no, no. The last episode, I was disappointed because I didn't have a drink. My throat was dry by the end of our talking for an hour. The, you got to start defining drink because I took a giant shot. Well, to quote one of the li- one of the lines that I'm really proud made it into one of our skits. This host is saltier than a mermaid's cunt. Oh no! <laughs> Is it you? Yep. Well, not me. Says the salt primal. True. <laughs> yeah, we're just mountains of salt over here. Yeah. No, the mountain. And and then there's Shin. And then there's Shin. No, Shin's salty. Not. I thought you left all your salt in Salt Lake City. Oh man. I miss Salt Lake. <laughs> no, I brought the salt with me. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> I brought all of the salt in Salt Lake City over so here to where I'm just living the now. Now it's just like Lake City? <laughs> yeah. All right. 
they just I let them keep that one salt reference, but all the rest of it just came with me. Okay. So that's why the name is the same, but there's there's no salt left. I just took it all with me. Salt monger. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's salt five. Salt, yeah. Salt. S salty dog. Salt. Salt baroness. Salt, salt Anna. So yeah, I was gonna say salt, salt Anna. Anna. Oh. That's got to be my new uh, <laughs> new name on Discord. Shit, we were both heading that route real quick, you and I. Yeah, I know the whole we think too much alike. Uh huh. So, when, so somewhere in the past, we were both bards, and <laughs> one of us was playing. So like yesterday for me. Yeah, I'll loot anyway. Directly, <laughs> let's get right into to uh, get into news. Uh, the new optional item is available on the Mog Station. The I'm not going to pronounce these correctly. So the Neza Chariot Mount, which is the Wheelies Mount. <laughs> or Heelys. If there was more wheels, there'd be a rollerblades, but they're not. There's just one wheel. So, uh, it looks perfect on a Lollafell. <laughs> oh, really? They do. I haven't tried it out on any of my Lollas. I don't know that any of them would use it. But you know what? What's I think really it's the cool promo about picture that? Lala. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I may, I may consider buying it. If I do, though, um, you know, I've heard some people complaining about the fact that it costs like twenty four dollars on Mog Station. I think it was or like twenty five, twenty four, twenty five, right? Yeah, it's like twenty four. Yeah, yeah, it's normal. But it applies price. account wide. Like, isn't that the same as the Bennu Mount was? Which that one's also account wide. Mm -hmm. So it's worth it. Or just wait until they have some sort of sale and just get it for like half off. Yeah, true. That may be what I do. Uh, just wait until until it goes on sale. Yeah. There's also Neza Barding uh, for your, your choke bow and uh, Neza Lord and Lady Attire, which are, uh, I don't know, like shorts. Some sort of. Diable? They are diable. They are diable. It looks like some sort of like Reebok athletic gear. It's. Being truthful. Patch 4.3 Under the Moonlight special site release. There's MSQ hints returned to Ivelisse uh, Rotorana, which I know I'm saying that wrong, and someone's going to just yell at me. Uh, new dungeon, The Swallow's Compass, which we'll see Geomancy in, I'm guessing, because of the lore tidbit that we get there. And additional updates, we'll get Crossworld Link Shells, Glamour Dresser updates, and guest books. So. Guest books! I'm so excited for those guest books. Yeah, I can't wait for the trolling that's going to happen in guest books. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. There probably will be, but it looked like they had the option to um delete some of those messages. Some I would hope that they would let homeowners delete messages. Yeah, because otherwise, like you're just gonna have people flood with just troll things or oh gosh. So imagine this, right? Gill spammers <laughs> spamming in guest books. Don't give them ideas, Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they may not listen to other shows, but I am pretty sure RMT people listen to us. <laughs> they come to us for, like, how to bullshit the market. Um, please, SE, don't GM message me. Yeah, if, you, if you're an RMT person, please don't do that. Yeah, don't. Because I, I actually want to use my guest book for, like, events. So people who come to the events can, like, leave comments for how things were decorated or how events went. So I, I think that would be cool. Hand out like a little like please leave uh, what you liked and disliked in the guest book. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, callback campaign April twenty sixth to June twenty sixth. Players must have been inactive for at least ninety days prior. So if you have friends that are just like, Ugh. 
I would tell them wait until, you know, somewhere around the patch. So if they've been missing out, uh, 4.3 looks like there's going to be a hefty amount of content to come back to. So probably wait until then. And uh, I think we're looking at like the last week of May or so for 4.3 to drop. So. 22nd probably seems about, I would probably put it around there. Last week of May, yep. So, uh, and letter from the producer live 44. <clears throat> I don't know, I just have my voice there. <laughs> letter from the producer live 44, May 11th, 2018 at 4 a.m. That's specific standard time. Uh, more details on patch 4.3. Uh, guess is Yasumi Matsuno, creator of the Return of Italy series, which is great because I want to know more about that damn, uh, what is it, clock tower? Lighthouse? Lighthouse. Clock tower? Clock tower. It's got a lot of cogs in it because if it's a white, light, white lighthouse, then. Uh, who knows what some of these buildings? I don't know. <laughs> so far, Italy has been my favorite content. So uh, that's it. Just, it was fun. We we actually did a fun run uh, the other day of twenty four tank Rabinaster. That sounds painful. We didn't wipe. You know, we got close on Hatchmaw, but otherwise, otherwise it was pretty smooth overall. I, I mean, it's much better than well like did. a pug. Yeah, no, it was better than a pug, which in some ways is kind of depressing, but at the same time. It was fun to know that we as tanks could do it. Pugs are terrible. No, they're not. They have tiny, cute faces and little swirly tails. They snort. Pugs are adorable. <laughs> I think we're talking two different types of pugs. One's yeah, I would much have, rather, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have three dogs with me than uh, three randoms. <laughs> three random dogs? <laughs> three random dogs in savage content. Don't you need eight people for Savage? Yeah, but like sometimes you have a a, a small number of people who you know just want to come with you, and then yeah. you have to pug the rest. Yeah, four people for random dogs. Pug party. Be great. Uh, wait, we just maybe we can replace the uh, companions that we get mm-hmm. with pugs instead. With yeah. puppies. Yeah. Or just just like replace it with minions. Replace the chocobos with minions. Yeah. Please, can I has minion dungeon? Oh wait, no, that's the other. That's another. That's another that's MMO. A game. That's a different game. Getting that content. <laughs> Let's sigh. Anyway, uh, Musecast isn't here just to bullshit about the news and talk about cute dogs. <laughs> I mean, we can, but <laughs> yes. I would love to talk about cute dogs. <laughs> Future chat, we'll just talk about cute dogs, <laughs> just throw up dogs and talk about them. Uh, but no, they're here because uh, you're because you're having your second anniversary. This is it's two years of Musecast. Yeah, two years to this day, I believe. Uh, we we consider the day that our podcast got accepted on iTunes, I believe it was, um, as our birthday, so to speak. So yeah, two years. Woohoo! Woohoo! It's pretty good timing. It is. Why? Why do you say it's good timing? No, no, that like the day that we're doing our show just happens to coincide with the exact two-year anniversary. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know, maybe we would have rather been Phoenix Down Radio for our actual birthday, or maybe we would have rather had our own stream. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's lucky for you that you get our actual birthday. (laughs) You get to celebrate with us. Yeah. Yeah. You where's our cake? Celebrate. Where's our cake and where's our presents? Yeah. Give us some cake. 
we talked about this a few weeks ago and having cake and Flatus told me I probably shouldn't eat a cake live because that would be mean. It would be mean. He has no, the- I would like to watch you eat a cake. Maybe I'll make one later. <laughs> um, expect- I mean, I can make a quick brownie, but... Expect- expect- I have a request. Yeah. I have a request because we aren't putting cake in our mouth right now. Mm-hmm. Can you can you play Put It In Your Mouth from Wait, that soundboard just super who quick? Says, who says... I'm not putting cake in my mouth right now. What? Right, well. And you aren't sharing? Only a small piece. <laughs> Emmy might be over there in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, hang on. Give me give me uh, several hours. I'll be right there. All right. I'll just get Put it in your mouth. Sorry. Yay! <laughs> That's right there. I mean, yeah, listen. Cake. <laughs> listen better. I think that creepy little blue whatever puppet thing needs to be a one of our, our Twitch emote things. The creepy things that puppet? pop up. Well, oh, like, yeah, I can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to start going through Canadian PSAs and cut out the no. characters? I saw this one drug one. <laughs> 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 and, the, and the guy's like, you want to do some drugs? And the kid's like, I don't know. This guy's not worth our time. <laughs> He's got, like, needles and shit stuck into his puppet hands. <laughs> It's great. I love Canadian PSA. It's the best. That's where I got this. Where is it? I even woke up in the morning craving a fart. So. A what? A fart. That's a Canadian PSA. Yeah, don't, don't ask. Strange. Very, it, very strange. It's, it, it's up there. I'd also like to just point out, we were talking about cats and maple syrup earlier. Feeny did post a whole bunch of them to the Dominita Umbra Discord chat. So they are in our guild chat for those who happen to be in our guild. Or uh, free company. Sorry, it's free company stuff. I, I love how the last picture is a bear tapping a maple tree. <laughs> I love it. Remix, I'm very jealous of your Polish cheesecake. Polish cheesecake? Are it, you sounds del- it sounds delicious. Yeah. You, okay, how, cut that to only a few hours. I'm coming over. <laughs> I didn't know anybody knew about Polish cheesecake. Oh man, it's a secret. I thought it was, this was a secret. I don't know what it is, but I love all cheesecake. Yeah, and looking at the pictures, it looks good. So I have a sweet tooth. So uh, yeah, uh, give me give me a few hours. Hey Sh- Shin, do you and like I'll cheese? Be right there. Do you like cheese, Shin? Why are you answering? I, I, I'm shouldn't. Well, I'm not gonna walk into any of these. This. If I were a cheese, what would I be? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. He did a cooking not show. Good, uh... <laughs> so that's what your impression is of me, bold with lingering flavor. All right, let's go. <laughs> I disappear for two weeks and I have to come back to cheese soundboards. Well, anyway. Was, you were here when I got all that. <laughs> I know. And then I disappeared for two weeks. It was a very nice two weeks. I should start sending you cheese. <laughs> anyway, let's get into let's get into some questions with Musecast. Uh, so, first of all, it's been two years. Yeah. So, how does it feel? How does it feel being like, hey, doing this for two years? How does it feel? Remix, do you want to start with this one? If you count our hiatus, we've been doing it for a year and a half. But I'm. Yeah, no, it's it's for me it's a little <laughs> bit bittersweet just because like we've been on hiatus and we're we're getting back into things. 
uh, slowly but surely. But uh, that combined with the fact that, like, it takes a while to put out episodes in the first place, like, even when we aren't on hiatus, it still takes, you know, a couple of weeks to really produce an episode. It doesn't seem like it's been two years. I'll put it that way. It doesn't seem like it's been two years. I mean, each of your episodes is very, very carefully crafted as opposed to like something like ours, which are done every week in like, I don't know, pretty quick. I mean, it's it's certainly a different type of show than like something like Maelstrom Radio, where it's all like sort of spur of the moment. And we just we we edit things. You know, yeah, your your audio. You call, like earlier before our show, you were calling us scrubs because of our uh, not fancy audio setups and all of that. Well, that's that's a little bit different. <laughs> that's a little oh. bit different. Like I just I tend to uh, take a while to uh, try and get things sounding, you know, pretty good. But I also have I think pretty high standards, especially for a podcaster with regards to like my own mic quality and uh, how shows go. So I also, a lot of the delays, honestly, can always have been blamed on me. And I I need to delegate more to MA. I always feel bad and be like, no, I can handle this. I can handle this. And I end up getting sort of delaying things, not because I can't handle it because, well, you know, I'm, I'm sick and I run into things. So we should, at one point, we we talked about delegating more to Emmy and, and then I just I felt like like that wasn't fair. But like we still have a skit from New Year's to get out and and the skits are a little they're a little bit different than episodes in that they're more creative. So I what I've been doing with that is I have to take I have to select which t- of my like acting takes are the best and there are a lot of them there are way too many takes of certain lines because i don't have a lot of experience in voice acting and it takes me a lot of tries to feel like i nailed something it would take emmy a lot fewer tries to feel like she nailed something because she's the, the experience with an episode there's not a lot of uh cutting and chopping unless we pause and emmy does the full mastering by herself but Sometimes I get a little bit too sensitive to small noises. It's actually been funny because part of my part of my uh, disorder has been also sensitivity to speaking. Remix to your fading out. I don't know if we've gotten into that big reveal yet. The void, the void has remix again. Yeah, the void, the void has a uh, eaten remix. Oh, oh no! Really Starting to get an you echo too. Away again. Starting to slide echo. Like, like you're down in a ravine, screaming up at us. Hello. There yes. we go. There you go. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I moved. I'm I'm breathing right into my pop filter, but sure. This works. <laughs> right, it worked. Yeah. If, yeah, that, so like what? something something like this, for example, you would not hear air going on at all in our show. And it's it's just like a different sort of vein of things. And um I think because we definitely are trying to get back into things, um, especially because, you know, it's it's two years. You know, we should we should be getting back into things. Do you find um, it I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Oh no, you go ahead. <laughs> As I say, like, do you find it um, like less stressful doing an offline show? Like most of your content tends to be, at least your recorded content, uh, you record it offline and you edit it and you uh, master it and do a lot with it before you finally release it out to everyone. Do you find that easier or I guess not, maybe not easier, but less stressful, I guess, at least uh, as opposed to doing a live yeah, show? I think personally, I would say that it is less stressful in a lot of ways, but it also means a lot more editing. It's just a different style of show entirely. We just want to put quality over quantity. We want every one of our episodes to be archival. We feel like we get a lot of people who are introduced to us and then they don't listen to just the latest episode. They listen to the entire back catalog because we don't deal with news. We don't deal with what's current. We deal with what's timeless always. So some things have gone out of date, like that Ishgard episode. As soon as the lore book came out, it like blew away everything in the Ishgard episode. That's like, true. Like I feel like some of those things we should update as we get more information, but that's, that's sort of a, a task for another day. Aside like, from that, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes years later and they're just as relevant the only thing that changes is lore like because and actually so we don't deal with news current topics at all basically unless we're reporting on what we did that week and that makes our episode our content uh, timeless evergreen and it ultimately gets us more listens yeah it keeps, I think, oh, keeps old content fresh and 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 recyclable and referenceable you know, everything from intro to RP to hold a, how to hold an RP event is like reference material that people can go, go back to any time. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's definitely a different a different vein of things like where where we do try and keep things uh, pretty timeless. And I think in recording it offline, um, it definitely places the emphasis not so much on you know, actually recording the show, but more so just editing and polishing after everything has been recorded. And so what that means is, you know, it's a lot more, in my opinion, it's it's laid back um, in the recording process because, you know, you don't have to fit anything within a certain time frame. There's no time block that you can do. You can make it as long as you want. And then if you have any extra information, you can decide, okay, do we want to use this? You know, you can pause at any time and just kind of backtrack on things, see if we need to review things where we didn't like how it turned out. And so it gives us a little bit more of an ability, I think, to shape how each individual episode goes as we would like it to. So if it's just not turning out as we would like it to, we can always go back and, and change it and re-record. Um, but then, of course, that puts a lot of our emphasis on, on that editing side on making sure that things get edited out that need to be taken out or, um, you know, if something comes up sound wise that I don't like, then I may be like, Hey, can we come back and record it? So it does take a little bit more time to record. I would say there's a lot of stuff that just ends up getting cut out of the podcast because either we don't like it or because we just didn't have enough time and wanted to cut it out. Yeah, like there's definitely a lot more uh, behind the scenes work that you have to do. Like it, you're you're recording and all that is, is not too bad, but when you actually get to the the having to edit it and go through it again and again and and get everything just right, it's it's a lot more work than putting on like a an hour Twitch stream or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so I, 
I wouldn't say it's like any more or less stressful than the next. It's just, it's a different sort of thing because of the nature of work that we're doing. Yeah, but it's also the kind of work which Emmy is literally a professional at. <laughs> she, got, <laughs> she got a piece of paper that says so. I have a piece of paper that says so, and uh, it's in my job description. So, so honestly, if we had to choose based on no other criteria, we should do a podcast that's pre-recorded because Emmy gets to learn audio skills at the same time and have a portfolio of audio work that she can show off. And and I've learned a ton about audio in this time, but for her, it's more get, about getting to practice, getting to master things, getting to do a side project that ends up becoming a portfolio piece. Yeah. I mean, really, the show is just, I think, a labor of love for both of us uh, because we're both, you know, able to talk about things that we're passionate about. We're able to talk about Final Fantasy XIV and, and role-playing and um, you know, we choose the topics that we'd like to talk about, just like you guys do. Um, but then in addition, just the editing process itself is something that I really like doing. So all the better that it's that way. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, that there are some ways I like doing it, but I've certainly learned a lot from doing it. <laughs> I, I mean, Which it kind of has to be the thing that you love if you've been doing it for two years. <laughs> it's really hard yeah. to, to not... Like if you're doing it for two years, you can't not love it. Yeah. And that's why we want people to know that during these like hard times, it's not a lack of interest that's keeping us away. It's definitely, we've been brainstorming even episodes um, that we want to have. Like once we're back, we're just like, I thought of, for example, I was thinking of maybe we could have an idea about Eureka. Yeah. You know, some kind of episode about Eureka or talk about, um, talk about like the Doman transformation now, like what's going to happen in the new patch. Once that's out, we have that to talk about. Like a lot has happened. And so there's always more things that we want to talk about. Yeah. We never run out of ideas. It's great. <laughs> it's okay. It's uh we've run out of episodes. <laughs> that's okay. Because we find our, our best episodes are the ones where we're just like, fuck it. We'll just throw their shit to the wind and see what happens. That's how hot. <laughs> Listen, that's how haunted phone happened. <laughs> You throw your shit to the wind, your shit hits everybody else. Yeah. But they like it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, haunted phone, greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, so I we have to ask, what's your favorite podcasting moment? Oh, gosh. What is our favorite podcasting moment? You know, I think one of my favorite things that... Uh, that I think was fun from a troubleshooting perspective and also from like a recording perspective uh, was just the entire FanFest experience. We had no idea of really what we were doing when we were recording, like our interviews that we were um, getting of people who role played that we just, you know, found at FanFest. And so that in itself was a, a challenge and producing that episode was a challenge, especially in that particular part of the episode. Um, but then it was also really cool that we got to do our very first interviews. I think that was our first interviews. We got to do our very first interviews over there. And so, you know, I can't say that I did particularly well, or I, I don't think I did particularly well in that interviewing process. I feel like sometimes I sounded like a fangirl or something like that, but I, well, I, I enjoyed mean, it. On. You know, it was it's our first time doing that. It's Edison Moose. Of course, we're going to fangirl. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just I thought I should have acted a little bit more professional, but I didn't. <laughs> Anyways, that's all that kind like of that's that's all in the fat in the past though. It uh, I I just loved you know exploring that, and it was really our our first time doing a lot of things for the show. Not to mention it was the first time we had ever gone to FanFest. So just that adrenaline rush and get, being able to connect with like you guys and PDR and all those other people. It was just so, so wonderful. So yes, we were at FanFest, but not only that, we got to work on our podcast at the same time. So that's my favorite podcasting moment. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting MacGyvering techniques, things we had never tried before, things we didn't know were going to work. For example, I had a little voice recorder and we try to hold it up to the to the person's mouth, not too close, not too far. I tried to do tests as to what the correct distance was, um, but there was always going to be background noise. And I was like, are these going to come out okay? Are these going to come out okay? And then, you know, having to bring all this audio equipment with us in our suitcases on carry-on, of course, because no one else is touching it, <laughs> and getting it set up for Moose and Ethis. That was an adventure. It really was. I'm hoping we can do something similar for this coming fan fest, but I think this time it'll be a lot more polished because now we know what we're doing. <laughs> now we really know what we're doing. As soon as Flaus read out the question, my mind immediately went to the night where we crashed uh, Phoenix Down's show that they did live. That was great. That was so much yeah. fun. Hmm. If I had to pick a moment that stands out as a favorite in a crazy kind of way, it was the time we did the Balmung episode, the good and the bad, and we had three guests. <laughs> that was a lot of guests, and we swore never to do that again. It was a but lot it was of fun. <laughs> it was it was chaotic, but I think that's not necessarily like the image that we're going for. But I I thought it was fun too. I liked the Valmung episode, and um, you know, I think we got we got some interesting responses from that episode. Um, maybe I'll talk about that later. But like we we had a a good number of uh, vibrant characters there, and it was fun. It was great. Yeah, five people on five people on the bike at the same time. I would say that was the moment that stood out for me. <laughs> I, I definitely understand the whole five people is just way too many to try to have a conversation with. That's coherent. Yeah, Thought coming, it just yeah. it it kind of goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But like everybody's trying to have their own conversations. It it kind of happens when like a group is too big, and if you don't know like how the other people will react, I think it's inevitably inevitably excuse me, it's inevitably bound to just kind of lead to that sort of, uh, that sort of chaos. <clears throat> what was it? My first show had five hosts, and then we had guests on. <laughs> five hosts. Well, five I hope hosts. you got to know them though. You probably knew how how one another work like within the mic, and so you knew when to cut in, and you knew, um. You knew, you know, just how everybody operated. It was just the guests were the the wild cards there. Most of you are all on camera as well, so that makes it a little bit easier when you actually see the person. True. Different. <laughs> it was a learning experience. That was my first show. It was very learning, <laughs> learning experience. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, like you know, when when people often wonder, like, how, how do uh, how do the hosts meet and stuff like that? Like, should I? 
uh, we're at an international uh, slip and slide competition and uh, we ran into each other at the end of the slide. Uh, but really? Sli- no, 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 I didn't eat those, but that's pretty outrageous. Shin in a Speedo, me. <laughs> also in a Speedo. Uh, okay, yeah, because I was about to say slip and slide makes me think of uh, lubricant. <laughs> It was, it was no more tears. It was, uh, <laughs> it was no more tears. No more tears, shampoo. Oh, that would have been, oh. Ugh, that doesn't sound like fun. No more tears if you actually get it in your eye, though. It burns. It's a lie. It's that a lie. stuff burns. There are tears. Anyway, how did you two meet? Salt and suffering. No, uh. <laughs> That's a great bar name. Actually, yeah, it kind of does. It, it would make a good bar name. Uh, how did we meet? I think it was through Facebook, right? Yeah, I know the whole story if you want me to tell it. Yeah, I think you're better at relaying this story. I have a pretty good memory. So, Emmy is quite popular on the FF14 Facebook groups for posting cute pictures of Scoot and Nanamo. And I joined a couple of these groups before... I seriously got into roleplay in FF14, though I had done roleplay in various other fandoms or like Freeform for years and years and years before that, mostly during college. So I once I saw her her pictures of Nanamo, who is who I guess had started on Lich at that time, I was like, these are so cute. These are so cute. Please be, keep posting them. And I became like her fangirl. I even went to her page. I'd be like, this girl is so cool. Should I friend her? <laughs> I think at that point I was accepting people who, uh, who wanted to add me from Facebook groups. And nowadays I don't do that. I've made that mistake one too many times. But this was good. This was a good, uh, a good reason why I should accept some people who want to well, add me on Facebook. Well, what happened then is that the Sultan Sword on Lich had already been formed and was getting pretty active. So you put up a recruitment post saying, hey, we're trying to get together a group of people who want to make in-game character models to roleplay NPCs. Here's a list of characters that we are currently missing that we're looking for. If you would like to claim one of these characters, leave a note. And by this time... I had definitely become a huge lore nut and a huge fan of the Eorzean Alliance, and I didn't yet have anyone to quite share this with. But in my weird imaginings and weird writings, which I still hope to turn into a comedic, you know, comic strip one day, Broa was always my favorite, and she had been by you know my favorite for a long time long, long time, just for being a badass, but then I got into the more complex parts of her character, you know, like her other sides. So I had sort of already started to form a headcanon version of Rova, which was interpretive, maybe the beginnings of a roleplay character. So at first I was worried. I was like, oh man, is this going to take up a lot of my time? You know, <laughs> little did I know, no, it's not roleplay. It's going to take up your time. It's going to be making the roleplay podcast that's going to take up all your time. So I signed up <laughs> I signed up, and I said, hey, uh, I'd like to try out playing roleplay. So I came to Lich, joined the group that was there at that time, and just got talking to Enemy, who has always been Nanamo, and 
we started chatting about various things. And then we realized we had a lot of things in common, like our obsession with the the Orzean Alliance and our obsession with Ulda and our obsession with uh, Nanamo X Raubon and many other things. (laughs) I wouldn't say obsessed about Nanamo X Raubon, but we, we, I support Nanamo X Raubon. I, I do. I'll put it that way. Um, that said, I do care about Ulda entirely too much. My, uh, my in-game waifu says I need to chill about that. <laughs> and I agree, except I have no chill. It just comes across that way. Ugh, I mean, I have to split my love between Ulda and Limsa, sadly. But, like, deep in my heart, like, out- outside of all of my characters, outside of playing Rowib, Ulda is my my country. Like, I'm if you're just talking to Remix, then I'm 100% older. I'm glad we can all agree that no one likes Gridania. Yeah. I think Gridania needs more love, is what it is. Gridania kind of has gotten ignored largely, and I would love to see more arcs focusing on, like, a lot of the, the Scion's presence within Gridania, and even, even Limsa kind of has gotten neglected. Like, as much as I love Ulda, um... You know, more I'd like of, to see more development for for people within those arcs because it's just it's focused a lot on Ulda. It's focused, you know, a good amount on Alamigo for obvious reasons. But like, I would, you know, as much as I would love, 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 love to see more Ulda, I think you know, people bring up a good point. A lot of these other city states, these other two starter city states, just haven't gotten much love, and they need more. Nobody likes elves or trees. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I want more of the Pajali stuff. I do too. I really do too. I mean, I think they'll get into it eventually, but I mean, I've I've written essays and I feel like I could write more essays one day about why Olda is so fascinating. And I finally came up with the answer a little while ago that sort of crystallizes my fascination with the town because on the surface, it's really fucked up. <laughs> you know, and dirty and hypocritical and corrupt, but also has a unique sort of beauty and culture and arts. And the first thing you got to consider is that I'm from New York City. So places that are dirty and corrupt and beautiful and urban and like stratified feel like home to me, you know, like Ulda reminds me of New York City a lot, socially. And Number two is that every city-state has its own issues. You know, Limsa has to reform after being a pirate society. Gridania has these elementals who are assholes. Ishgard has religious fundamentalism. Uh, Elmigo and Doma are newly liberated. The problems that exist in Ulda are actually real-world problems. Like, nobody in real life has to deal with angry fairies in the forest or, like, pirates, you know? But we do have to deal with economic stratification. We do have to deal with corrupt governments and oligarchies and not being able to make a living and the difference between the rich and the poor and the abuse of refugees and the manipulation of the economy by secret cabals. That is real life. So when you look deeply at Ulta, you're looking at the world, like, you know, refugee crises. Like that was the first, you know, when, when Alphano of all people and his mansplaining starts to explain um, the trouble that Nanamon and Raban have with reforming Ulta because of the syndicate. 
um, and about the refugee crisis, that really, that was the first time, the first, my first playthrough, it really hit me that this storyline is very, very mature and like adult and like you kind of have to be an adult to fully understand it. And I'm like, this sounds like real life. You know, we have refugee crisis in real life. We have economic stratification in real life. We have the inappropriate mixing of real, of religion and law and money. We don't have asshole elves. So the problems of Olda feel like the problems of real life. And that's the thing that makes it most fascinating to me. I, I think I agree there. Like it, Olda is definitely the most relatable city uh, in terms of like, it, it's kind of like a microcosm for a, a lot of places in the world. Uh, I agree and with I guess Ishgard to some degree as well. Like it, it's a little bit more extremist in what it goes, um, like a lot of storytelling. But yeah, like Gridania doesn't really have that same sort of uh, representation, and, and Limsa as well to a degree, or, or rather, like Limsa is a much older. Uh, it would fit much well like in the past as opposed to current age. Yeah, I would say I say the same thing about Ishgard too. Yeah, exactly. With Ulda, especially, like, yes, they're relatable. They're definitely relatable problems. Um, but I think there's also something to be said about the characters that exist within there. And if you take a look at like their motivations, all these, especially the political characters with like people like Lolorito, people like Telegi Adelegi, people like Nanamo, and uh yeah, especially Nanamo actually more recently. You take a look, and I think their their motives for all of them are they want to improve, you know, how life is in their country. Now, whether it's for the individual, whether it's for, you know, the so-called greater good, that's down to the, the character. But I think a lot of their motivations, as we delve deeper into Ulda, we get to see, you know, all of this this layering of, I want what's best. I want what's best for our country. And I think with a lot of a lot of the uh, other city-states, we just haven't explored a lot into that just yet. Like Ishgard, we saw a little bit of that. We saw um, Thordin, Thordin's motivations for like, you know, continuing this war which has existed for so long. But Ulda, it's like, it's, it's a combination of, it is realistic, but we also get to see like, yes, these characters are, are trying to improve life. And I, I think that's, also brings about another sense of realism. I, I hope I, that made sense. No, it I does. I hope that made sense. I, no, it does. I'm still fascinated about the fairies in the woods. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. You never know. There might be somebody that listens to this later who's like, fuck you, there are fairies in my trees. What are you talking about? Um, so, given the idea of uh, being invested in the, the story and the city-states, uh, the one thing that uh, you've done that's uh, really unique is that you started doing uh, radio-style plays. Uh, where did the idea come from? Uh, I'll let so, Emmy answer that one. Yeah, <laughs> this one actually came about because of a lack of time. Um, in short, it was because of lack of time. During uh, winter break, uh, which was, yeah, just, you know, Christmas time holidays in my case. Uh, but, but during the holidays, I usually end up traveling from place to place, and I don't really have much time to uh, record. And the same thing goes with uh, Remix, but I think in this case it was initially more in, like, the 
in the sense of, you know, we, we just don't have time to do this. So we wanted to do something that would be a little bit shorter than your average 45 minute episode. So that way we aren't spent, um, we aren't spending all of our time just editing stuff, you know, when we, when we could be doing things with family and friends and all that. So initially we came up with doing uh, retellings of the stories from Tales from the Calamity. And uh, that was what we did for our first holiday special. But then uh, we realized, you know, those are finite and we aren't always going to be able to provide voices for every single character there. You know, we can't be Alphino. Uh, we don't really have the voices to do somebody like, uh, I don't know, Emmerich or somebody like that. Well, so in mine, um, the only characters that, in Real World Story, the only characters that appear are Merleweb and Einzar. Um, so I got to do basically just like the lower scratchier version of, you know, my pirate accent for Einzer. It wasn't that difficult, but Emmy, she had Nanamo, Pippin, Thancred, and Palpishon. There were a lot of people. For which she all borrowed Ethis Escher. (laughs) I borrowed Ethis for a lot on, on that first one. So anyways, so what that meant is like, we didn't, um, we we realized that, you know, we could, we could do some of this for like future Starlight specials, but like we wanted things that we were invested in, you know, just like the next person. So we wanted to, to do something a little bit different, I think, for our most recent thing. And that was really where the radio style plays came from. Um, one thing that Remix does sometimes is like, she'll write out scenarios of, you know, deleted scenes that might've happened. And so for this particular thing, because once again, I was busy over, the the holidays uh we decided to go with this and so it takes a lot less time to produce than um some of the other other episodes it does involve you know having other people on having people who may not always be um you know it's not just remix it's not just myself it's somebody else and I think that kind of brings something different something interesting to the table especially because you know it's a it's a different sort of of episode it's not even really an episode. It's it's a mini-sode, maybe, <laughs> would be the best way to put it. It's an audio drama. So from my perspective, we really enjoyed doing last year's, you know, dramatic readings. But we don't have enough Tales from the Calamity or Tales from the Dragon's Room content to keep doing them. Right. So um, that, was, that was where that came from. But... Mm-hmm. It's true that I had begun to write out dialogue-like scenarios because my my mind works a lot better almost like a screenwriter than as a novel writer. I tend to picture things in my head as movies. And so I have a lot easier time writing something that's more like a script for a radio play or a script for a comic book than I do have writing prose which is why all of my fanfics are like work in progress because my mind just doesn't work in prose it works in imagining scenes so i had a couple of these archived um that were they weren't really fiction because they were just dialogue style and a lot of these came about because remember the heavens dub contest they did earlier in the year yep I came up with a, a few scenario ideas with that for Moa, but then I realized that none of them actually fit the rules because none of them uh, took place during Heaven's Word because Moa doesn't do anything in Heaven's Word. And I, and I just wanted to do a Moa. Like, I just didn't really want to do anything else. So I ended up not submitting an entry 
Uh, I mean, it's submitted entry. We're going to submit in different categories, so it wouldn't have been a conflict. <laughs> conflict. But because of that, I I began to generate more ideas for dialogue-based, behind-the-scenes uh, conversations that characters would have had. And I've actually started to write more and more and more, like, as the wheels start turning. And especially as, like, I, I slowly do my MSQ re- uh, replays with Merlweb. I get more and more ideas because I'm playing through the story as her, even though I know that it's, you know, she didn't go through the same things as the warrior of light. You get interesting juxtapositions. For for example, that's exactly where I got the idea for the, for both of the skits that we did for this year. The second one will come out, will totally come out. Um, but the first one, which, which did come out, involves the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Chef's Bane. That's the level 50 culinary inquest where Lola Rito tries to embarrass the hell out of you, the warrior of light, and make you not impress Nanima with all of her favorite dishes, but you succeed anyway. And he just looks so freaking salty afterwards. And if you look at that scene um, from the bigger picture, there are six people at the table. Nanima, Lolorito, Mroeb, Einzar, uh, Reiner, head of the Yellow Jackets, and Lolorito's manservant, as well as the uh, um, Guildmaster and the Warrior of Light. So the fact that Mroeb is there to watch this scene <laughs> actually struck me because, you know, I live in Mroeb's head while I'm doing these things. And it actually struck me that, like, sh- her watching this, she would have found the whole thing so hilarious that I just began to write what would have happened when everyone else left the room. And like, she just immediately starts bursting out laughing. Like, <laughs> So here's, here's the thing with that, though. I took one look at her initial draft and I'm like, I don't know that Anima would say this. So it really turned into really a role play is, is what that um, that particular skit turned into where she would write one thing for, like, Melvib, and then I would write another thing for Nanamo. Um, and so, you know, we would we would edit things just because I, I think that gave, like, a, a pretty good uh, sense of how we even write our characters in-game. Although even now, I think the way that I write Nanamo has kind of evolved <laughs> over time as, as we get to know our characters better. So, yes. I, I, I know one of the things you were doing last year was... Uh, you had a number of different things that you were streaming, uh, going back and playing through the main scenario quests uh, with different characters and such. Do you find like going and replaying those moments at, or um, doing like the, I can't remember what the name of your segments were. Um, story time stream. That's what it was. Thank you. Um, and doing like the story time streams. Do you find that that's where you get a lot of like your ideas for your different uh, screen or radio plays or uh, shows, episodes? Absolutely, especially with my Merlwib alt who plays on Lich, because playing through those scenarios, like through her eyes, even though I know that she's not literally canonically experiencing them, it leads to interesting juxtapositions. And oh my god, playing through patch 2.2 was so much fun. Oh my god, playing like Merlwib on Merlwib was so much fun. It's so much. I love seeing this. Uh, the scenarios where, like, it can't possibly ever happen. Yeah. Like, for example, if I were to go back and do the level seventy goldsmith quest, Nanamo yeah. gives a gift to Nanamo. 
Or Nanamo <laughs> does Revenge of the Chef's Bane. Nanamo <laughs> created, you know, food for food for Nanamo. Nanamo watched but herself Rito, die. But no, yeah, Nanamo <laughs> watched herself die. Nanamo, um, Nanamo then uh, created food that Lolorito asked her to make in order to make Nanamo not like it. Like it, it just gets more and more absurd the the more you look at it. Um, and I think what's even more funny now, as I've developed like head cannons for my character, as I've developed head cannons for Nanamo, I'm like, well, you know, she lives in the desert. I don't know that she would have ever had like the necessity to swim to learn how to swim but now i'm in stormblood and you learn how to swim and i'm like okay none of this happened you know all of this just got retconned because of reasons like it, it just it's impossible you got magical swimming power but then doing that seeing those absurdities um also creates like some ideas for scenarios where I think, okay, well, Nanamo can't swim, but I'm going through with another friend of mine who whose character also can't swim. So what might happen there? Would, what if they tried to teach each other how to swim in order to accomplish some sort of thing? Like, it, it does create ideas for, you know, skits, but it also creates ideas for role plays. Going through the Yeah, I am totally committed to... All three of my current MSQ roleplays, I did Gem Potion one character because I just couldn't do the Titan quest again. <laughs> but I'm I'm fully committed to doing all three of them. They take a long time, but every time I get some kind of nugget of wisdom looking at it a second time, especially if you do it years apart. Like for one reason why I'm not advancing on my one character who's like just up to Stormblood with a jump potion is because it's like, well, I just played Stormblood. I want to go back to my Excalibur character who's on like patch 3.4 because I don't remember patch 3.4 and like uh, my Robo character is the most behind. She's like on like 2.3 uh, and is just getting around to like the Crystal Braves formation and I'm like, oh no, oh god, I'm going to meet Elbert. <laughs> Yeah, you really uh, learn yeah. a lot, like, you learn a lot about other characters, too, and their motivations, which is interesting. Um, going back through the events leading up to Stormblood and watching, watching Ida as she goes through, like, it makes so much sense as to I understand why she was doing what she was doing at that point in time. It's really, really interesting, and I think, you know, if we ever did something where we see, you know, we, we have like a skit involving any of those characters where we've learned, um, you know, where we've learned about those characters. You know, we wouldn't have been able to do it without those, uh, those developments in, in the main scenario and replaying the main scenario to get something, even if it's a little bit, just something more out of it. Oh, yeah. So that was how I got our two current skit ideas that were executed by also, but I also got a couple more actually uh, tucked away in draft form just from my MSQ replay of with Merlo. For example, the fact that she appears in the grand melee in 3.1, 3.2, but doesn't, doesn't fight, doesn't say anything. I always thought it was kind of silly that they put all the girls up on top of the tower, like they were protected, and I'm like, no, Merle wants to fight down there. Like, yeah, she'd be like, definitely the one in the ring. Yeah, like yeah, how come Ralvan gets to fight, but Merle doesn't? Like, was it Nanamo just saying, okay, you know, go ahead and fight? But then, what would then prohibit 
method from being, you know, part of the action. See, my headcanon for that is that they were were going to draw straws. Um, Kane, Moab, and Rebon were going to just draw lots. But then um, Kane came up with the idea to try to convince Moab to let Raubon win because she's an empathetic person who interest in, who understands emotions. Merlob is not. And she's like, look, Merlob, Raubon's really down in the dumps right now. If you let him do this fight, it'll really boost his morale. It'll really boost his self-esteem. And she's like, come on. I want to fight with the people with the guns. They got guns just like me. I want to fight the machinists. And she's like, will you please just think of someone, you know, besides yourself? Don't you think, you know, this would mean a lot to Raubon if you let him fight and she's like, fine, I'll let him win. And then, and then at the end of the, at the end of the scenario, you're like, God, I haven't felt like that in years. He feels so great doing it. And, you know, then Kane is like, see, you know, because I, I, one of the things I think about a lot is the dynamics between the three of them and the, the, the dynamics, you know, once Imer gets added to the mix, you know, so that's, I would love to write a skit, you know, based on that sort of scenario, like, Kane being the one who is like always selfless and always thinking about other people and always has that empathy and Merle being like the, the whiny, the whiny bitch. I'm in it for me. Kane <laughs> is definitely like the mediator between everyone. Merle, Merle would know. Raban, yeah, no. no. Raban, no. Another Nanimo, one. Nanamo would probably, I think, uh, she, she might just go with whatever Robon said. No, I think she's she's making decisions for herself, and I I think at the end of the the day, it's it's her decision, and it's kind of always been that way. I would think, but I think a lot of it has been would. guided by that, and I think she'd be seen as that. Anyway, that's I, I think that may be going off topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think in this scenario, Kanye would tell her. I think it would just be about convincing Merle because Merle needs convincing. Nanamo does indeed convincing. And there was another one uh, idea that I came up with, uh, which involved playing patch 2.2 and actually thinking about Thancred. So one of those little known lore facts about Thancred is that he was he was born and grew up in the village of Halfstone, which was subsequently uh, flooded by an early Leviathan attack, became a Sahagin strong, uh, stronghold, and basically was wiped off the map. And you have you really really have to be careful and like talk to Thancred in between quests to even get this information barely mentioned he barely mentions um his home village he he barely mentions that he used to be a thief on the streets of limsa but if you read between the lines and you're a loremonger and you you know do the road quest line and everything else you realize that like he was in the rogues guild he was a proper fucking street rat uh, because he had no other option after his village was destroyed. And, like, he was, you know, saved in a way by Louisois, who took him off to Charlene to get a proper education. But um, my Heavensward replay with my Excalibur character is also the first time that I'm doing it in English, because it turns out that the English voice acting in Heavensward is tolerable, as it was not tolerable in A Realm Reborn. So I'm listening to Thancred's accent, and I'm wondering, why is his voice so annoying to me? Because he's, like, why does he sound so, like, hoity-toity British? Like, It is annoying, I agree. It <laughs> is, and I'm like, it's almost exaggeratedly so. And I'm wondering, like, 
you're a fucking Lamentin street rat. Why do you talk like that? And then I realized that a lot of people who come from bad parts of town and then try to make up, make it up in the world, try to hide their native accents. Same thing with immigrants. They try to hide their native accents. They try to hide where they're from um, because they're ashamed of it. Especially if you go to like Charlayan, you know, he has to, he has taken on the identity of a Charlayan in the process. He has forgotten his roots. And there's that one moment when, you know, in 2.2, Minfilia jokingly refers to Thancred's past as a street rat rogue. And it made me think to myself, for Moab, you know, like the proud Lamincin to hear Thancred, you know, also like a true-born Lamincin, eliminate his true accent must be sort of offensive to her, you know, because he's trying to hide the fact he's Lamincin. He's trying to erase it. He's trying to pretend that he's a Charlene. He is not representing. He is not keeping it real. And I think <laughs> that that would make her angry. So I wrote uh, a skit where, um, you know, after that whole 2.2 thing, she holds Thanker back for a second and she sort of gives him, gives him a talking to like, yeah, boy. Yeah. You forgot, you forgot where you came from. You forget your roots. You forget that you're Lamincin. You, you, are you ashamed of being Lamincin? You know? What happened you to your like accent? You know, <laughs> well, yeah. it kind of is. So, so, and uh, <laughs> it would be really funny because, um, and then she would start to talk to him in like the 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 thieves can't, you know, the the accent, and try to challenge him on this. I mean, it would be really tough to execute because my accent would have to get a lot better, <laughs> and it, I would also need a like a male counterpart who could really nail an, a, a good uh, uh, variety of British accents. But imagine, like, I just imagine Merlob saying, like, look, I don't care that you got out of a bad situation. Louis Wass saved you. You're very, very lucky, and I'm proud of what you've become. But don't you dare be afraid to show that you're a true-born Lobinson. Don't you dare be ashamed to be Lobinson. You hear me? Don't you hide your roots. You keep it real. You be proud to be Lobinson. She would give him a good, stern fucking talking to. <laughs> Get old mama on his ass. So, uh, you brought up uh, this when you're kind of talking here, um, but uh, both of you, I, I know both of you have played through uh, the main scenario quest in multiple languages. Uh, do you have any, like, is, do you have a specific language that you prefer or anything? Like, I know there's definitely uh, lore differences, uh, slight lore differences between each of the languages uh, just for localization uh, purposes, but like, do you have a language that you prefer for any specific reason or... I just, I play the game in English. Uh, I could play through it in German, but, you know, my German is a little bit rusty, so it would take a while to get through. Um, I've compared a lot of the voice acting, I think, between um, English and German. But, you know, primarily I play in English. Um, You know, all of my, my subtitles are in English, and so I usually don't pay attention to, like, any lore differences unless it's something that, like, I particularly disagree with. And then I'll see like, okay, is there anybody else who's talking about, you know, how this section was interpreted in other languages? It's really interesting to see the differences between different languages, but typically I just play, you know, according to uh, English because one, I voice act, I want to see what the voice actors are doing, even if it's bad, even even that terrible 2.0 uh, hit and miss voice acting that was going on there. 
Um, I, I still want to listen to the English voice acting, even if it's bad. So yeah, English for me, just because, you know, convenience and I use the voice acting in English as well. I'm very much the opposite. Um, there's actually a funny story on my third day of being not even subscribed when I was on free trial, when a friend of mine had invited me to the game, my first character, of course, started as a conjurer, started in Gridania. And my friend asked me, Hey, how are you liking the game so far? She's like, I, and I'm like, I really like it. You know, I'm looking, sort of confused, but I, but I'm really getting into the story and the system and everything. The, my one complaint is that the English voice acting is terrible. And yeah, the 2.0 yeah, voice acting is bad, but especially Papalimo. Papalimo is like, I nail, liked old English Papalimo is like nails on chalkboard. And because I started in Gridania, I had to listen to him and I was like, I was like, I can't stand the English voice actor because my friend is like, you know, you can switch to Japanese. And I'm like, you can switch to Japanese. And I'm like, click switch. And I never changed from Japanese, you know, ever again until the day when Emmy was on Storytime stream with me. And she suggested that I change to English for this replay specifically she's like well you're doing it a second time anyway you might as well try the english so i gave it a chance and it's definitely it's definitely decent and i would say that most characters are about the same level and i'm just going by acting just by the emotion in their voices not by the localization or anything i think that most actors are about the same level of talent there are a lot of there are a lot that are worse the only voice actor that i like better in english way better in English than in Japanese is Sid because Sid in Japanese sounds a little bit nasally. Oh, but Sid in English is so fucking sexy. Sid oh in English God. needs to change to Jeff Bridges. I think Jeff Bridges' <laughs> voice would be no. a great fit. You just say that because of the beard. Yeah, yeah no, it's I, true. I he that. does. He looks like Jeff Bridges, but I, I think he, Jeff Bridges would be a good fit for you Sid. Got Jeff, you got but, Jeff Bridges? Like the dude Jeff Bridges? Only if he yeah. sounds like the dude. Hey, like, man, there's a, there's a drink in this Not thing. Not like that, but like I'm thinking more like his performance in like Tron Legacy. Like it was a lot more serious. Like take more more serious Jeff Bridges as opposed to very like, you know, nope. hey, dude, kind of thing. Nope, I think, Sid is now I think dead Jeff Bridges. Itself, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. But yeah, Sid, Sid and Jeff Bridges, but don't make it, don't make it, uh, why can't yep. I think of the name of the movie? It looks like Kenny Long. Big Lebowski. Don't don't make it Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah, no, it, it needs to be Big Lebowski, Jeff Bridges. I think it's more hilarious. Oh, God. I had more things to say before you started talking about Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Now they're all gone. Kenny Loggins. <laughs> okay, so, so go, on, go on about that. So basically, my commitment is with that one character, I will continue to play through in English to, just because of Realm Reborn and Stormblood. I actually listened to a few seeds in Stormblood in English, and it is the voice acting is getting dangerously close to actually good. I was like, whoa. I played like the first uh, couple of scenes with with that one character that's that was jump potioned in English. And they do the scene uh, where you talk to Conrad. And I was like, this is like getting dangerously close to actually being good voice acting. Like, wow, I'm impressed. It's like, this has improved a lot. So my, but, but, I still want to continue with my main in Japanese just because I've done that the whole time. And I have a, a good enough 
understanding remembrance of Japanese that I'm nowhere near fluent and lost my conversational ability years ago. But I have noticed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of differences in localization because I have Japanese dialogue and English subtitles, things that I would have never noticed. Um, and not just things that end up being uh, on forums, like the whole mistranslation of Vinsquart somewhere, like little tiny things. And then if you go on like XIVDB and then you, you try to get the uh, Japanese text, you can actually compare. And it's really led to a lot of insights into the story and the characters and lore. Because I mean, to me, I mean, maybe it's weebish, but I consider the Japanese version canonical. I consider that the writer's intention and everything else is just another localizer's interpretation. Like, like, like Oda is the writer of the story and everyone else is just a translator. You know what I mean? And like, they, maybe they have reasons for changing certain things. Um, like with Harjavant, like he would come off as a pervert, but there's some things I'm like, no, sometimes I feel like they change the meaning too much and I feel like it's on purpose and I don't know why they, and, and, you know, even Moose who has access, who has super secret access to like this database of all text quest in all languages has given us like, for example, like snippets of like the same line in four languages and the meanings are completely different. And I don't understand why, because you feel like you have to read it in every language to get like the real truth. And, you know, if you're a lore monger, you want all the tidbits of information there are out there. And to feel like that some of them aren't accessible to you because you're not fluent in four languages is really frustrating. Well, well we, here's, here's, I, here's the thing about that though, sorry. Um, when, when you have multiple translations, I mean, yes, it's all coming off of this original translation, but you have to keep in mind, it's all being done by Square Enix. It's all something that's been, you know, edited, approved, and it's now part of the official game. So with all of those translation changes, I kind of see it a little bit differently. I see it as if there are, you know, different different ways to view a character, they can all be valid. You know, just like any anybody role-playing, there's no one way that you should or shouldn't role-play. And so, you know, maybe they're different facets of a character. Maybe you do want to adhere to one language only. Um, but sometimes those changes in meaning can help you build the character a little bit more. Um, it helps you reconsider what their thinking processes might be because there's, you know, they're all official. They're all, you know, so to speak, part of the canonical Final Fantasy fourteen. But, you know, it's, I, I don't know that there's really any one real way to, to view a character. There's no one right way to view a character. And so, you know, in that way, I don't think there's necessarily one right translation. It's just, which one do you want to adhere to? Which one is, is your personal taste? It's true. We had Moose on uh, a couple weeks ago. And I, I made sure to ask the question of, like, why is it so hard to get into Final Fantasy fourteen lore? And he said it's because it's sparse at best, and you kind of have to dig to find things to kind of, like, piece things together. So I, I can kind of see that even with, like, the localization being off and different in some situations. It's just so... I mean, even if you listen to it and get, and get the Japanese version, it may be right <laughs> in some sense. But even then, I think it's always going to be slightly off or slightly sparse or I, I think maybe a lot of it is so they, they don't retcon things as often. 
or try not to have to retcon things is that they keep, that's why they keep the background lore so light. Yeah, but, that could be. Yeah. Um that <clears throat> that being said, uh uh how do you feel uh about the community's reaction to like Musecast since it's it's beginning? How do we feel about the community's reaction? To yeah, Musecast? like your your audience. Did you expect like the from what I've seen, like the the reaction's been pretty huge. Like you have a, a pretty large following now. Like it, it's you've grown quite a bit in the last two years. Like how do you kind of feel about that? You know, I feel like we haven't grown as much as people people say. And it wasn't really until uh, we did the extra life stream. Uh, last year that I realized like just how much we actually have grown. We do, you know, actually have a following. And, um, you know, I think that's amazing. I think it's great that, you know, we do have people listening to us. And despite that, like, it still feels like it's it's a small, close-knit newscast family. Um, between, you know, people watching our stream, people um, in our in our Discord, it feels, you know, still like a family, even though we've grown. Um, and so I'm really, really glad about that. Um, and I'm glad that people have, you know, embraced our show, that people look forward to when we actually put out an episode, you know, because it's, it's great that, um, that we're doing what we love. And I think even if we didn't have much of a following, we'd probably still be putting out, you know, the same amount of episodes. But it's great that, you know, people listen. That people people you know actually like what we do, <laughs> and they're they're willing to listen to our little uh, our little snippet and our our thoughts about everything, and then from there, of course, they can interpret the story as they would like. Um, I wouldn't say that it's gone completely smoothly. Um, you know, obviously, people with every show are going to disagree about what we say. Um, some people, you know, think that you know maybe we should put our focus more on certain servers. Um, some people think that maybe we don't put enough focus on certain servers. And, you know, we aren't going to to appeal to everybody. Um, but I think as we move forward, you know, hopefully we we just keep the momentum going. We keep that support and we, we get new people who discover it and, you know, embrace it just as, as our listeners have. So I'm, I'm overall happy. <laughs> It's really tough for a podcast. I believe. Oh, oh, you uh, disappeared again, Remix. Yeah, back, you disappeared. Back to the void. All right, I'm back to, to uh, talking into my pop filter. What? What? Ah. Hello? Hey. I am Hello. Yay. Okay, now I'm eating my pop filter, so oh, no. I can't. Mm. I can't get any closer. <laughs> pop the poor, filter. The poor pop filter. Okay. Okay. So. It's hard for a podcast to actually build and interact with the community naturally. It's something that you really have to put effort into. It's not like a Twitch stream where people are live with you, people run into you randomly and all friends. You know, it's not it's not live. So you really have to put an effort into building a community. And I think that Discord, it's fruition which I was around for, you know, before that everyone was on TeamSpeak and Mumble and we had like a Slack room. And now the Discord came out of the FF14 community to become like the voice and text chat for gamers, which I'm really proud of, by the way, you know, that it came out of FF14. 
we have a centralized hub for that sort of chat because everybody in this community has a Discord because they're all in one Discord server or another or 20 or 40, you know, so it's something that they check off. And I check Discord way more than I check Twitter or Facebook or anything else, <laughs> you know, so that gives, and it's, and it's live chat. So that's really, really helped a lot. There's somewhat of a conversation going on on Twitter not not so much discussion. Our our Facebook is the least active, but we want to give people, you know, different options for following us. I would say that that our Discord is our most active, but if you want to just follow, uh, Twitter is also a good place where we 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 tend to post the most. Also, some some stuff gets posted only to to Twitter just because it it just seems to be a more active place and a more a uh, better place to invest time, and that's true of any marketing effort. You're going to have some social networks that are more active than others, you know, and, you know, Facebook has its own problems, honestly, that, you know, it's no surprising that like a game demographic wouldn't have a big presence, presence there outside of the, and even the communities there, like the one where I met Emmy are not the best, they're not the places for the best intelligent conversation sometimes. (sighs) There's a lot of just, just there's straight up idiots and then there's straight up trolling. I mean, it's it's way worse than Reddit. Way worse than Reddit. You know, or Reddit, Reddit, Reddit just says has just like angry trolls, but Facebook has like genuine idiots. <laughs> I wouldn't say everybody's an idiot though. Like there, there is some um, some intelligent conversation, but it's definitely. A, a wider mix of people, I think, on Facebook versus people using Discord where you can choose what servers you join, you know? Um, you choose what you want to join, what you want to talk about. And I think, you know, having that MuseCast Discord is a great place where we've been able to, you know, interact with people to, to uh, you know, say hello to the, the people who listen to us because we don't really get to say hello to them um, except for, you know, our usual welcome adventures sort of thing at the beginning of every episode, we don't really get to talk to a lot of our listeners on the show. Um, you know, maybe we'll have a guest from time to time, but here we get to actually interact with people. And I think that's led to, you know, us, us maintaining as great of a community as we have right now, even though, you know, we spent a couple of months in hiatus as we were getting over some, uh, some real life obstacles. So, you know, I, I really, really would like to thank the community who has uh, stuck with us. Yeah, we have a lot of close fans. I mean, people that we know by name, people that have, you know, stuck by us for a long, long time, people that are, you know, our Patreon donors. And I appreciate all those people. And I think that we have a good, diverse group of people. And we also have, un- unsurprisingly, a lot of non-Balmung people because, you know, we ourselves have always been very, very accepting. You know, we're not, you know, especially active on Balmung either. Um, but as a result, and, you know, I, I preface this with, with, I like, I love Balmung in its own way. I think it's not my favorite roleplay server. It's never going to be my main server, but I love it for, for what it is, the great events it holds, the diversity of events, We've never been that popular with the Balmung crowd is something I've noticed. I um, agree. Like it, it doesn't, our fan base, our, our listener base does not necessarily represent the role-playing community as a whole. Like it's not, 
you you would not be able to realize like just how many people are on places like Baumung and Mateus from popping into our Discord and seeing who's on there. Like we yeah. don't we we don't necessarily represent the um role playing base as a whole. And I would love to see more people um tune in and, and join in our Discord and our conversations that come from a lot of these these role play hubs. Yeah, that's- because there are so many different, you know, role play communities from server to server. Yeah, and that's not to say that there are no Balmung players in our crew, but it's, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue this or call this a criticism to say that the Balmung RP community has been highly, highly insulated and very much like we're us and they're them for a long, long time and has deliberately isolated itself from every other role player because they felt like they were the only role play server that was worth caring about. And that's not the case anymore. You know, the great Balmung locketing happened and there's at least Balmung in Mateus, but you know, RP, that was really like the breaking point for seeing RP communities become decentralized. And not everybody is in support of that, but we were in support of that way, way before the Balmung locketing. So now it's like, yeah, you, you have, you know, you can disagree on whether there should be one roleplay server or many, but now that Balmung was locked, was open for three weeks and is locked again, we don't have a choice. Like we've always been in support of ro- small roleplay communities, medium-sized roleplay communities, growing them on every server. And it's like Square Enix proved us right. You know, we were, we were vilified in our stance role play, role and that kind of feels good. Anywhere. You know, know. and even so much that, you know, someone from Balmung was actually the one to form the uh, uh, RP Locations Hub, which was meant to bring people from every server together. And and then you realize, like, how many people are on, like, Genova and Leviathan. And even if it's a small group of people, it's still enough to, you know, have an, an, an active enough community. Like, Gilgamesh, you know, like, I really like the Gilgamesh crew a lot. It's it's small, but it, it's tight-knit, and, you know, you're able to make friends. And I really like just the Gilgamesh, you know, crew style also, because one of the other, you know, sort of issues with having one roleplay hub, one roleplay server, is you also have only one roleplay style. Now, Balong's roleplay style, I also don't think anyone would call this a criticism, is very serious and very hardline lore compliant. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's your style. I have a fucking character named Natsuki McCatboy, and that is not lore compliant. He's very lore compliant. You know, and that's because when I started the game, uh, I had no idea about lore, no idea about race, naming inventions, anything. Natsuki was a weeb reference, uh, and McCatboy was because I couldn't think of, his, of a last name. And when I decided I wanted to roleplay with this character, he had sort of grown his own personality over the years. I didn't want to change my name because I'd been on Gilgamesh since day one, like I said on the Gilgamesh episode. Everybody knew me as Natsuki McCatboy, and I just didn't want to change my name, but I wanted to roleplay. So I was a little bit scared at first that I would go to these events and I would be shunned or or or, or, mo- or mocked because I didn't have a lore compliant name. Um, because that's what I assumed every roleplay community was like, because that would happen on Balmung. But it didn't happen on Gilgamesh. They just, they're just like, and I just introduced myself as Natsuki. You know, you know, I don't usually use the McCat boy. Uh, you know, I, I actually retroactively made up a sensical backstory about why he has that name. 
And you know what? I was accepted for who I was. I was accepted for my character development, my way of writing dialogue, my contributions to the community, not my lore compliance, you know, not my following the rules, which is, it's a different style. And the more roleplay communities out there that are strong and active, the more styles of roleplay they're going to be that fit everybody, which is just, just yet another reason to have a plurality of roleplay communities. Uh, that being said, it's 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 maybe it's because of our general interest um, style because we've never been Balmung people, and because of that, we were not accepted by Balmung people. Um, because I'm it's accepted so accepted by Balmung people. I got yeah. asked to speak at a, at an event recently. Yeah, they, yeah. They finally but, accepted Nanamo, and they, yeah, they but had that was give a that wasn't true at first. That's true. It it does take a while for you know. I, I think my experience in Baomong, at least, was it took a while for people to embrace her. And even now, there are some people who, you know, don't necessarily want Nanamo around. And, you know, it's it's just different. And I think even within Baomong, there are probably some people who are, you know, a little bit less lore compliant. But, you know, the, every server, I think, is going to have a certain rep to it. And in increasing the number of roleplay servers on different things... Um, you know, on, on, in Eorzea, <laughs> shall we say, um, it increases this freedom of choice where if you don't exactly know what a role play server is going to be like, save for this kind of hearsay that you might hear, like if you post in a group and say, Hey, what server should I go to for role play? Here's my style. You now have that choice and that can serve as at least a good basis for where to initially go. And if you want to of- change... If you want to change servers later, fine. You know, go ahead. Um, it's it's all up to the individual. But now that we have, you know, a place like uh, Baomung and Mateus, I think both of them are, you know, some people have called it Baomung Part 2, but I've really witnessed, like, a little bit of a difference between uh, Baomung and Mateus. And, you know, I, I think that's cool. I think you you now have more places to go and you can you can find your people. Yeah, I mean, consider that the reason why Balmung is the largest population server and is constantly locked is because of roleplay. It's because everybody was trying to push every roleplayer there because every single thread from a newbie that got posted in any place ever that said, where should I roleplay? It was just Balmung, 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 Balmung. You know, that's why it's flooded. Because of role players, I mean, we're I mean, we're kind of sorry, but it shows the popularity of role play. <laughs> you know, it does. It really. There are so many people who who just love role playing, and that's great. You know, because we do too. <laughs> There's too many of us to fit on one server. That's just the truth. Anyway, this this conversation I think kind of went a little bit off track, but like not quite. Mm, it's relevant. Anyway, if, if you're oh, from it's a good conversation, still, yeah. Yeah, if you're from Balmung or if you're from Mateus. Uh, we would love to have have your input, you know, because we we do want to share role play in general. Like that's always been our goal is just promote promote role play, no matter where it is, no matter you know who you are, just kind of come in, have fun, you know. Yeah, that's that's what this game is about. <laughs> yeah, for too long the role play community was segmented into the Balmung people and the everybody else people, and. I think we just should just be all the everybody people. I mean, you can subdivide by server where relevant, but I I know 
you know, I want to see Balmung people participate with everybody else, you know, because I love everybody, their role plays, you know, and, you know, there, there are, you know, I'm not a part of that server. I can't speak really, really well for its culture. Um, but part of that sort of insularity actually comes from role players being mocked and made fun of and sort of that that sort of we have to stick to our own we have to stick to Balmung came from a fear of going anywhere else and then being mocked or being called an ERP -er. so some of that's justified so the you know the sooner that we stop bullying role players you know the sooner that you know we'll all be able to be accepted on every server let's consider that too yeah we were talking we were talking to um, Dylan and a few other people from Baomeng a, a couple of weeks ago uh, around the Blitzball tournament. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and yeah, like, we were having similar conversations. Like, it, uh, there's a lot of people that still uh, don't understand or, or even see. Like, you're talking about how different servers have all these different communities. Like, like even within Baomeng, there's a ton of different communities and showing people that it's not just, yeah, it's not just people going around and doing ERP or it's not uh, just specifically like people who are very strict on lore or like there are many different ways to, to RP on whatever server you happen to be on, whatever community you're a part of. Sure. And, uh, and that's something that I, I we're trying to, to bring out as well. Like I know we've been approached by a few people to kind of have a few more uh, episodes in the future on this as well. Um, as well as some of the stuff that we've done in the past and, and I know you guys are doing with newscasts uh, and everything. So I, I, I think that especially as time goes on and as people see a little bit more like the RP crowd and it'll definitely should get a lot better. For sure, for sure. I mean, at the very least, now when a newbie posts um, on a forum, hey, where should I go for RP? Everybody just can't say Balmung, Balmung, Balmung. I mean, maybe they might say Mateus, 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 but they'll probably mention a few other servers too. They'll be like, hey, try Gilgamesh, try Genova, try Lich. You should try Lich. Lich is great. It's just, it's just within every server, there are just different, different communities, and I think there are all sorts of roleplay that can be found on all sorts of different servers. Different. I think that's that's the uh, the the main point here. You can find somebody who's interested in, you know, a type of role play that the server isn't so called known for. Um, different streams, you know, different wherever you go. Yeah, annoying as it as it is at times, even for me, I think the bombing lockening is one of the best decisions that Square Enix made. Yeah, like I mean, that, even so. from a technology point of view, it was it was untenable for a lot of people to play on there. But certainly from a population balancing point of view and a spreading roleplay point of view, I think that it it shook things up in a way that it needed to be shake, shaken up, shaken up, shooked. Shake, shaken up, I think. Shook. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> hey, uh, shout outs. Let's... <laughs> Let's do it. Alright. Uh, Emmy, who, who would you like to shout out and thank? Uh, first person who comes to mind would be the wonderful, 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 wonder Savaku. Um, also known as uh, the 
head of a stage reborn. Uh, he's been incredibly supportive during our hiatus. He's been helping a lot with uh, the press releases that we've been doing um, as part of Musecast. And so, you know, he might not be, you know, technically part of the Musecast team, but he's been immensely, immensely supportive and helpful in, you know, in, in helping us get back on our feet, get back podcasting. Um, I'd also like to take a moment to to shout out to um, the the people who donated to us um, while we were going. We part of part of the reason why we were stuck was because um, of the house location where I live right now, and it was really noisy. <laughs> and so uh, I had to move into my closet, which is where I am right now. Hello from from my own closet. Um, just so I could get a decent recording space. And so were it not for, you know, MuseCast listeners, we we wouldn't be, you know, in this spot. I would not have been able to uh, get back get back to being able to record as quickly as as I did. Uh, so thank you to to them. Thank you again to all of our listeners who have uh, you know stuck with us, whether you jumped on pretty recently or whether you've been here since day one. Uh, you know, thanks for, for staying with us. Thanks for listening. And uh, shout out to Remix, who's already here. <laughs> for being a great co-host. Um, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad that I've gone through this, this two-year journey. And here's to many more. Ooh, toast. Come by. <laughs> yes, well, to, to be also... Sappy, shout out to my co-host Emmy, who's also, Aww. you know, after all this, still a good friend. Because to be a dynamic duo, you first and foremost you have to stay friends, and it gets tough when both of us are weak, and because when one of us is weak, we will lean on the other. And I hope that that continues to be the case. When we're both weak is when things like like five month hiatus has happened. So if there's ever time in the future where like we recover for this, but like one of us also goes through a bad time, we have to remember to lean on each other. And, you know, sometimes you have a tendency to, I know I have a tendency to be like, no, I'll handle my own problems. I don't want to burden other people. But you also also have to remember (laughs) that a a dynamic duo is made out of two friends that respect each other equally and i think that you know probably flaz and shin can attest to that that that's yes. that's how it survives that's how it survives and thrives on the and on the partnership just like any any other relationship speaking of relationships um i i like to say that other than ff14 and its community and my involvement in the game and my involvement in musecast and all these other like just side products projects that keep me from you know being on the couch all day depressed. You know they give me reason to drag myself up and, and do some work because I know the people are counting on me. You know I like I definitely want to thank all the Musecast listeners because I think of them every day and I think about how much I'm letting them down. But I don't want to let that depress me. I want to let that motivate me to like stop letting them down. You know, we can do it. Yeah, we we can do it. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a volunteer effort. And it's like, I shouldn't feel bad that, you know, real life has to come first and that unexpected things happen to us both at the same time, you know, (laughs) but, you know, I I still feel like, like I owe them and there's so much more that I want to do. 
you know, we have, we still are brimming with ideas and look like FanFest is in November, but anyone who's ever, ever worked in press knows that that shit starts immediately. Like any big event like Last this year. Prep, prep starts, prep started the day that the dates were announced, <laughs> you know, as far as, you know, you, if you want to, if you want to get something special going on and we have, we have ambitions and goals for special things we want to do. We, we, we got to get on that. There's still time. There's still time for sure. But the earlier, the better. And, you know, we have a long-term plan for rocking the house. We have some house. lofty goals, but yeah. I'm excited. We're going to, we're going to make it though. Like yeah. there's no other option. We will figure out a way to make this work. Yeah. And if you start early enough and, and you do it in multiple steps, you know, you, you can, you can get to your goal. And this will actually be my third fan fest. I've actually been to every fan fest ever. So <laughs> not, not just a humble brag, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, speaking of partnerships, the, the only, the, the thing, the person that has helped me the most other than FF14 and all of my friends there uh, is my husband. I happen to be, married to a wonderful loving patient brilliant and awesome person who plays a character called glassy cannon on gilgamesh <laughs> my neighbor yeah yeah who moved into scoots lilac ward uh on a, on a scoots ward you see yeah it's, it's scoots ward now yeah Sco- scoot He's is the mayor i picked a plot that overlooked a cliff because we, we, we both share a sense of dark humor and I was like, oh, he'll love the fact that you can toss bodies off this cliff into the river. <laughs> if you want to come visit uh, the new venue, we call it the Cliffside. It's plot 52. We can show you the river. Yeah, we're going to make it into, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's his house, but I've basically decorated the whole thing and it's going to be an RP venue. <laughs> Uh, it's got a nice bioluminescent garden. I, I, I basically made him buy a house and apartment so I could have more stuff to decorate. We also decorated his apartment like a cho- chocobo theme, but, uh, it's great. So, well, he joined me on my journey in FF14 eventually after, you know, years and years of me talking about nothing about this game, you know, <laughs> nothing but this game. But, you know, to think about where I would be if I didn't have someone to come home to every day to keep me sane and... You know, I don't know where I'd be. So he's probably in the other room and can't hear this right now. But you know, thank he you, to my, like thank that. you to my to my life partner, Glassy Cannon of Gilgamesh. <laughs> <laughs> EB, EB partner. Yeah, eternal bonding. Our eternal bonding sir, uh, anniversary is going to come up in June. Yeah, we got married in real life, and then we got gay married later. Ali and I actually, Ali and I got uh, married three days ago, so we celebrated our three-year anniversary. Yeah, and of, of course, marriage—not real marriage, of course, but like isn't Scoot too young? marriage. Scoot's ten, but uh, it's an romantic. It's an romantic life partnership. It's it's ah, eternal okay. bonding. It's not necessarily marriage. It's you know, it's eternally bonding, and I think a lot of players, like the people who. Who just get married for the mount? Because you 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 know those people, the people who got married for the mount or for the, the, the gear, yeah, and the the bracelet and the ring. Like they, it's it's because they want to play together, or in some cases they just they just want the loot. And so, um, 
you know, it's eternally bonding until uh, one of you throws the ring away, but Allie and I have no intention of doing that, so. Yeah, the ring actually tells you your anniversary now. It does, it's great. I I had heard that there was going to be something about, like, increasing something, some kind of, like, reward for being eternally bonded for so long. Uh, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but. I'm not getting divorce incentive. <laughs> Congratulations, you didn't get divorced. We also didn't change servers, because if you change servers, you auto-divorce. Yeah, that's also true. I know a great river you could throw a ring into if you <laughs> Throw it off a of glassy's house. <laughs> Is that a uh, reference to the Palace of the Dead ending? Yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't finished that yet. Okay, I haven't well, either. It'll, it'll probably be a while before I finish it. So, so. yeah, uh, getting getting yeah. your spells to play F14 Tented would recommend. You finished it? Palace of the Dead? Not, like, going past the upper floors, but there's just story up to I don't know, I finished floor 100, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the end of the story. Wow. Yeah, I, I must have skipped it. it I, I thought it was a mindless grind. I should have realized there was story in that. Up to floor 100. When you get to uh, after that, and uh, yeah, or is it 50? Did it finish at 50? I don't know. All I know is that above floor 100, there's a bench, and that's not even really story related. They just want you know, you should just take a picture there, fucking photo oh, up on the bench. Well, oh, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to the bench anyway. for me, I guess. Shout out to the bench in Palace of the Dead. dead. I got yeah. nothing else going on. I don't got any, like, I got no significant other. Thanks, bed. <laughs> I'll do that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, my bed. Although I, I have to say, though, I have, like in my mind, Emmy was re recreating uh, R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet music video. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you to my closet. Shout out to my closet. <laughs> my closet. Shout out to shout out to the acoustic foam. But yeah. really, like shout out to the Musecast listeners who made that possible. OK, I, wait, I have another shout out. Shout, shout out to Sylvain Grabeau. I hope I said that right. Who is one of of my closest friends on Gilgamesh and always checks in on me, even if I like have been sleeping for 36 hours. (laughs) I'll give another one. Shout out. Shout out out to uh, Ganondorf. Ganondorf Dragmire. Shout out to Ganondorf Dragmire. (laughs) On on Gilgamesh. Your uh, Uh, nemesis? Yeah, I'm very sorry that Scoot. Scoot lobbed his shield into your uh, more sensitive regions. He really didn't know any better, and I apologize. Uh, also, you're a lot of fun to play with, Ganon, so I, I thought I saw you in the chat here on uh, Twitch, but if you are here. Uh, shout out for being so great to roleplay with. I'm really glad that Scoot actually has a nemesis, because it's really nice to see that uh, not everybody loves Scoot. It's really nice when something different happens. Yeah. Uh, no, but for real though, uh, thanks, Shin. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I thanked you a hell of a lot like two weeks ago when somebody wrote in about like how we met. So. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, thank you, of course, to uh, Emmy and Remix. Congratulations again on two years. And thank you for being here. And I got a bunch more shout outs. Shout outs to <laughs> a, uh, some really great people I met on Balmung called the Non Playable Company NPC. And 
it was so surprising to to find a group of NPC role players just like we have on Lich, but on Balmung because they get a lot more hostility because of that like hardline lore compliance culture. And I'm so glad they exist. Um, they're one of the re- reasons why I moved my Jesse J character there because they're the only, uh, Balmung's the only place where I've ever found people who, that are role-playing bigs and wedge because there's Sids and Neros everywhere. But I'm like, no, I need employees to boss around. I don't so, know. We had, uh, what was it? Door wedge? Door bigs? Yeah, but this is like, like I, I want I want so bad to create just like a Garland Ironworks RP group. I think there's a whole group on Baomung with that. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised I'm if pretty that sure they, uh, they They entered a the Blitzball tournament. They did. Oh man, this is what yeah. this is what I get for this is what I get for being on high. Because I'm, I'm also on hiatus from actually playing. Like, like, still will tell you. Like, I'm not on a hiatus because I'm just like gaming all day. I just, I just sleep all the time. Like, oh yeah, uh, we're still spon- we still sponsor the the limbs and lemons and limbs and lemons and bucks, the buccaneers. I want to sponsor the O'Donnell If they if they ever do another uh, another blitzball tournament, then I will gladly support you. Okay. Talked about it. All right, let's get the record straight. Lemonson is the demonym. Lemonson is a person from Limsa Lemonsa. The Buccaneers. Lemonson. The, the Bucks. Lemonson. The, the all. The Bucks. The all. Limson. Limson. Lemonson. The the only all female. Uh, like Lemonson anchovy, you know the stuff you make you make fertilizer out of. Lemonson anchovy. Lemonson. You're you're talking to a person that crafts about zero percent of the time. <laughs> zero percent shin shout outs thank you all right um i don't have anything in particular but i did want to uh thank uh both emmy and remix thank you so much for coming on and give you a huge congrats for uh being around for two years for surviving two years and for like keep putting out amazing content uh for the past two years even through your hiatus and you still sound like you have tons of plans and everything going on so Thank you very much for all of that, and thank you for coming on to our show, and thank you for uh, last year helping out with Extra Life and raising, I think you were one of the top uh, groups that helped raise money with our uh, fundraising. So yeah, I just wanted yeah, to say thank we, you so much. We did uh, great work last year, and this year, this year we're doing pretty well too with the Blitzball tournament and everything. Yeah, there's already been a huge uptake. Uh, for the extra life teams on here and uh i'm hoping that kind of as we get closer to summer and we get a little bit more people get back into things uh we'll start organizing things it's been kind of crazy on our end so yeah hopefully things will settle down a little bit now and we can start pushing a little bit harder yeah it's gonna be close to fan fest which is gonna be a little cray cray but uh... it, it's the weekend after fan fest for the event but we're trying to plan stuff but leading up until that point so that we don't have to go too hard uh, that day. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the Blitzball so, teams who donated to us. Yes. We hit, you know, hitting over a thousand, like organizing all of it, hitting over a thousand dollars in like months before the actual event is a great start. I wanted to throw one more thank you out to my co-host Vladis, uh for mostly for putting around this whole show tonight um, I've been gone out of town for the last week and a half and, uh, right before I was leaving, Remix reached out and was like, Hey, so we have our two year anniversary h- coming up and I was leaving, so I couldn't really do a whole lot, but, uh, Flatus kind of 
took the lead here, organized it, kind of got everything uh, planned and had a, a lot of the, the content for tonight organized and all planned. So by the time I got back, we just had to kind of finalize it, uh, send it out and uh, brought this kind of show all together. So thank you very much for uh, getting all that done. It's gone quite well. Yes. He displayed a great display of confidence. I mean, competence. <laughs> I'll take, I'll both take are both. Good. Both I'll, are good. I'll take both. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, as always, uh, I mean, I might want to tell people where they can uh, find you and how to, how they can listen. Okie dokie. Well, uh, you can find us on our website, which is www.musecastxiv.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, what else? It's been so long since I've been doing this. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Tumblr. Uh, we are on Twitch. That's true. We are on Twitch. Uh, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash newscastxiv. Um, our Twitter username is at MuseCastXIV, and on Facebook, just look up MuseCast14, you know, same same spelling and all that, and you'll find us there. Um, we also have a Discord, which you can get to through our website, which is MuseCastXIV.com, um, and our podcasts themselves are posted on our website, but you can also find them on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. If you just search up our, our podcast names, you will find them. Pretty easily, I would say. Yeah. All right. As for us, if you're on Gilgamesh, you are out. No FC. Come join our FC, Dominant Umbra. Uh, it's, uh, as Avi from She Heals I Tank puts it, her favorite place in the world. <laughs> so, when... <laughs> it's true. She's trying to... She's, she's pushing Vegan Pete to, to join us, so... Uh, you too can hang out with us and take your pole arms and, and shit. Yeah, and shit and poke skinks out in the the North Ishgard. Uh, <laughs> how we how we dry? That's what that's how we dragoon. Uh, so find us on uh, find us on Greg. Uh, I also we got an iTunes review and I'm gonna read that really quick. So <clears throat> a group of cool dudes being bros. That's. <laughs> About, about yeah, as, sounds about right. That's about right. Uh, this podcast is I don't honestly, know how I feel about being a bro. Right? I don't know. How, yeah. Honestly, uh, this podcast is honestly pretty great. It's funny and informative when it comes to anyone playing or interested in playing Final Fantasy fourteen. The cast has a great chemistry and always finds a way to fill the episode with seemingly never-ending laughter. P.S. More haunted phone. <laughs> I told you it's a winner. <laughs> Everybody loves haunted I phone. I don't know how it is, but it's somehow. It, yeah. it did. It won. <laughs> and P.S.S. I'm also on Gilgamesh server. I'm Oni Griever. Hope to see you guys around. I will find you. You won't see me. I'll be he right. Will. He'll stalk you. I'll be. I'll show right behind you. Go poke. I will. Find I you. well. Yeah. Uh, you can find us weekly on Fridays at usually 6:30 p.m. Uh, Eastern, or sorry, 6:30 p.m. Pacific, 9:30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find our show recorded every week. We post them up on Mondays. Uh, they'll be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you want. You can access that on our website, uh, www.maelstromradio.com. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, fanfics, pictures, whatever you want to send us, please feel free to send it to us. Uh, you can email them to us at show at maelstromradio.com. 
we also have a Discord server. You can come and join. You can find that either on our Twitter or on our website. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Maelstrom underscore radio, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Maelstrom radio, or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Maelstrom radio. Thanks. Uh, Chili, go nene. It's 5 a.m. for you. Go nene. Night, Chili. All right. Uh, also, uh, we, we, uh, you know, we appreciate if you, uh, if you're going to listen to us or if, even if you have Android or you're doing Google, just install iTunes, give us a quick review and then uninstall it. <laughs> That's how they find us. Review <laughs> us everywhere else. No, uh, fine. No, but seriously, if, uh, thank you for the iTunes reviews. We appreciate it, but we want more. Give us more iTunes reviews. It helps. Uh, thank you all. I'm um, going to, anybody else want to say a final goodbye before I mute? And I will. I will. Uh, so, so to all, all you people listening right now, uh, may you ever walk in the light of the crystal. And thank you very much for listening to Immortal Flames Radio. Oh, Till sea swallows all. <laughs> Till sea swallows all. That's the Immortal Flames Radio slogan. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now, yeah. Cla- classic Immortal Flames slogan. <laughs> That's a good mortal flames. Yeah, classic. (laughs) And of course. There it is. The sweet, soothing sounds of our outro. Thank you all. I want to thank Remix and Emmy, of course. Congratulations on two years. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us. Uh, I want to thank my co-host Shin for putting up with me week after week. We are actually heading towards our second year. <laughs> We're less than 25 episodes away. Uh, so be prepared for that hot mess. <laughs> um, all your favorites may be coming back for that one. We'll f- you might want to stick around and see what that means. But as always, till sea swallows all, just like the immortal flames say, Keep listening. Maelstrom Radio is a production of MaelstromRadio.com, Blackfire Media Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Opening theme provided by Benjamin Anthony James. You can find more of their music over at SoundCloud.com forward slash Ben773. Our outro is provided by Sodo. You can find more of their music over at soundcloud.com forward slash soda. Views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of Maelstrom Radio and their hosts, and do not reflect the views and opinions of Square Enix. And until C swallows all, keep listening.